Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is James Michalisco, 21 years of career and volunteer experience, Division Chief of Training and Safety for Pike Township Fire Department in Indianapolis, Indiana. James believes that you're never a prophet in your own land, and just because you have bugles, that doesn't give you the right to think you're above being a firefighter. One thing I truly like that James does being a training chief is that he believes in bringing outside instructors slash educators into your department for the betterment of your members. With that, I present Mr. James Michalisco. Uh, I'm James Michalisco. I'm a division chief of training and safety for Pike Township Fire Department located in Indianapolis. Um, I got in the fire service because um, it always intrigued me. Um, I had family members that were in the fire service. That really influenced me. They retired from the fire service, and uh, I was fortunate enough at a young age to be involved with a fire explorer, a fire explorer program at sixteen. So that really just stoked that passion for the fire service. And then afterwards, I you know after high school, um, my parents couldn't afford a college degree, so I couldn't go and get associates in fire science. And in the state of Indiana, you can't be a a paid firefighter until twenty one. So I went and joined the United States Air Force. I was a firefighter for them full-time for four years. And then I got out, um, worked for the Indianapolis Airport Fire Department, Indianapolis Airport Fire Department for a while, and then uh, still served in the military as a reserve. And then uh, back in 2015, I came to Pike Township Fire Department and, and um, went through recruit school and in 2021, they promoted me to the division chief of training us in safety, and here we are today. So, okay, all right. Um, for those that don't know, can you tell us a little bit about Pike Township Fire Department, the size, uh, amount of personnel, calls, things of that nature? Yep. So, uh, we're the northwest corner of Indianapolis of the city. Uh, we run a 44 square mile battalion. Um, we have about 140 merit firefighters about 30 civilian EMS and altogether well over 200 uh, employees that support the fire department. So um, pretty good mixture. We don't, we don't run EMS per se on the medic as firefighters. We have civilians that do that. Um, So that's where those 30 civilians come in. So. Okay. Um, Your apparatus lineup. Okay. Um, So we have five stations. Each station has an engine, uh, Two houses are actually dual apparatus, so we have an engine and a truck. Uh, we run four medics and a battalion, EDO, and a safety buggy. So Okay. And your uh, minimum staffing? Um, we will not go below three on a fire apparatus. We always try to start out with four. Four is, you know, our staffing level, but we can drop to three on the apparatus. Okay. So okay. We have about... Roughly almost 50 guys on each shift, give or take, depending on who's retired, you know, if we need to recruit school, that type of stuff. So Right, right. Okay. And um, uh, just because I've, I've never been, so uh, your mutual aid around you, how, how close are they? So we're automatic. I mean, if, if you gotcha. ever get to come to Indianapolis, we got a firehouse every three miles probably, you know. So when we get calls, I mean, it's – get on the truck and go because, you know, you may very well be beaten to your, you know, into your first due. Um, so we do automatic aid. So, you know, I came, I, you know, my house that I was at before I got promoted was on the South side of the, of, of our district. Um, I was on ladder 64. Uh, we ran a lot of calls for ladder and, um, you know, I probably saw battalion, IFD's battalion one more than I saw my battalion because, we do automatic aid. I mean, literally, you can go to a fire. We just had a fire at the end of November. Actually, had a a grab, and we had, you know, IFD and Pike as a you know command. You know, because we always get two battalions on working incidents. Um, you know, we had Speedway, we had you know, IFD, we had Pike. So many agencies just at one one uh, apartment fire. So okay, um, I was gonna kind of secretly save that towards the end but it's okay it's not a big deal 
So uh, me being a huge fire buff, um, I follow lots of fire departments. I follow lots of um, people who I believe are, 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 are making or trying to make a big difference in the fire service. One thing that stuck out to me, I'm going to read it, is um, uh, as you stated, on 1129 of 2023, you had two apartments heavily involved in fire. What I loved about it is your quote, and I'm going to read your quote. It says, we work in a job where we can be 100% perfect and still lose. Just like football is a game of inches, firefighting is an occupation of seconds. Seconds matter for our citizens who are trapped in a hostile fire environment, not wearing the same gear and breathing apparatus that we are. And to me, that resounded so much because we've heard others say it. I preach it too. Like, this is not a game. Yep. When... When people call 911, when those tones go off, they expect the best. And um, looking at your post that you had, it sounded like you guys had a hell of a stop and made a hell of, hell of multiple rescues on this call. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, 100%. And um, the guys that made that grab were my old crew, you know. So where I'm at, you know, I'm, I'm proud of them. And I can tell you the culture that I left when I left the ladder, it was very hard to leave, but I saw I had an opportunity to affect a little more positive change in the, um, in the organization. And it was very tough to leave those guys and we're still tight today, but we would, we'd run to get to the truck. We'd get our gear on quickly, get on the truck. And, you know, we, we were serious every day we trained, uh, and when there was work to be done, we we went to work, you know, and uh, very proud of what those guys did at the end of November. And, and uh, yeah, that's the culture that we're continuing to try to maintain and, and foster. So we're, we're becoming very young again in our department. Um, I've I'm going on my sixth recruit school that I've been a part of to help teach. Mm -hmm. And this is my fourth recruit school that I've led as a division chief of training. So. Um, we're very busy. Probably over 50% of our department has less than 10 years on now. Oh, okay. Okay. So. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's just an interesting dynamic. I really like too, how you stated with the way um, your fire department system works in Indianapolis, you could very well get beat in by a, uh, by the city of Indianapolis fire department mm -hmm. to a first in, in your, in y'all's first two area. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're that stacked up where, you know, my old house, 64s, uh, 33s is is not even two, three miles away. 12s is like four miles away. You know, the the 60, you know, the 61s, which is our headquarters station, you know, there's a certain street. Like if we get a if we get a call, you know, up in the woods, it's a big apartment complex. It's it's a race between the two trucks. Who's going to get there first and get search? And we run we run a. Um, standard company function. So based off of your apparatus mm -hmm. and your order of arrival, that dictates automatically what you're going to do uh, on the fire ground. So okay. uh, if you're on a truck, your first do, you get search. Your second do, you're, you're venting. So. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like you kind of, you guys uh, have what I call PDAs, predetermined assignments. Mm -hmm. Yep. Exactly. hundred percent. We okay. call it standard company functions, but yeah. Yep. Okay. So it, okay. it really does help with communication. You know, uh, we do have some radio traffic, but it cuts down a lot of radio traffic when you know, hey, first do your attack, second do your backup, third on a house, on a residence fire, you're going to be writ. Fourth is exposures. Uh, if it's an, anything larger than a single family residence, uh, we flip flop that third due to exposures and writs fourth. So, okay. And what occurs if a ladder arrives first? Do that. Do they do fire or engine company functions? Uh, no, no, no. We uh, we don't muddle the waters there. Like our trucks are dry and engines. Okay. Are wet. So gotcha. uh, if you're first due, you're just first due giving the size up and you're going to search. So um, you'll get that good 360 in. Uh, by then, you're probably your backsteppers already inside searching. Um, we have the ability to split crews where we'll have like, the inside, the officer and and the backstepper in searching, the chauffeur and the other backstepper doing OV work, that type of stuff, throwing ladders. Uh, but a lot of times uh, we don't split, like especially on the first do. If it's a good, it's a good 
good apartment fire or a good residence fire, any building for it looks like it may go defensive. That chauffeur will be getting their aerial device up in the air and the other guys will be in searching. So. Okay. Okay. Um, now with uh, your department making a, a recent grab, was that the first, uh, was that the first in the department's history or just first in a while? Because it sounds like you guys are very big and aggressive on search. So Would Yeah, you care so to... it wasn't the first in our history. Um, it was actually technically the fourth one for us this year. Um, Okay. so uh, I've gotten in the last year and a half, two years, I've been really big in the firefighter rescue survey. You know, I've had a good couple conversations with Nick Ledeen and Justin McWilliams. We actually just hosted just ironically, we just hosted Justin McWilliams November 5th and 6th for a search culture class. Okay. And I opened that up to. All the departments in Indiana, we had close to 100 people uh, attend between the two days. 40 of them were Pike, Pike members, and the rest of them were, I mean, we had people driving from Illinois and Kentucky, and, you know. So um, I charged a little bit, just kind of offset the cost a little bit. It was 50 bucks, but when you look at it, it was an eight-hour search class, and uh, we had classroom. We had hands-on. We we um We did practice masking up with your gloves on. That's something that I've been pushing. The younger guys have been pushing. They're the ones that kind of turned me on to it. And then I, you know, started really following search culture and getting in with the firefighter rescue survey. And I'm like, this does shave time. This is a valuable skill. And if, if you can master it, I mean, if you can mask up in 15 seconds, that's, that's pretty darn good, especially as an officer. Um, I'm not against our guys masking up if we know it's working And we may have, you know, you know, an entrapment. Uh, I'm good with that because they're just going to go and make entry. Whereas the officer, I'm not big on masking up right away because you got to be able to see that big picture. And when you throw your mask on, it really uh, narrows your vision. You know, when you're doing your 360, there's so many things that you're looking for. So for me as an officer, I like the fact that one, I got my gloves on and I'm ready to mask up. you know, and I don't have to take my gloves off, set them down. So I think it's a great, I, you know, I've heard some officers go, well, you know, that's fine for the backsteppers. Well, it's probably more applicable to the fire officer than the company officer than it is the firefighters. So, uh, but yeah, so, you know, we're big in that. And, and um, you know, we taught drags focusing on keeping the airway as low as possible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. UL NIST, they show, or FSRI now, but uh, they showed that, hey, one foot from the floors is that survivability for, for our victims. And then uh, we, uh, that was about it. We, we just did some drags and some masks, you know, mask drills, and that's about it. And it was a good e
100%. I don't want to, I don't want to use the word running because you know safety. So, safety so there is a there. what I call a firefighter shuffle. Like, do we want a full on sprint? No, especially as the officer. Like, you don't want to move so quick that you miss something. You know, like somebody you know hanging right. out a window, right? Right. Uh, but not walking. I will say that not a sprint, not walking. So somewhere okay. in between, you know. Okay. Now, if you got to get, you know, if you were slow getting out the door and you know, you're parked way back from the incident. You probably should be darn near running up to the incident, but um, on the ground itself, not a walk, but not a run. So a good, good jogger, good firefighter pace. So. Okay. Um, with the way it sounds like the way that you're able to teach the, your, your membership from the guys that have been there, the guys and gals that have been there and the new individuals coming in, it sounds like your chief, the chief, is is all on board for 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 these uh, tactics. Yeah, yep. Um, uh, the ops chief's very supportive, and the fire chief's very supportive, and um, they let the division chiefs do their work. And you know, there's a reason why we have an is we have a command structure, and and um, yeah, it's that delegation of authority and training, and um, you know, each shift's a little bit different, but you know. I can tell you my shift. So on our shift, I'm in charge of the safeties. You know, okay. our, the guys that are on the safety car on shift are, are actually uh, safety and training officers. So they actually report to me, even though they're on shift. So, and then the EDOs actually report to the EMS division chief, which is an EMS duty officer. So, okay. I was going to ask you, I was like, I don't yep. know what that is. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, Let's see here. We're. I'm going to go on the topic of recruitment and retention. Are you guys seeing an issue with that as well, or do you feel like you're doing a pretty decent job maintaining uh, what you have? So retention, I think we do 100% fine. I mean, we've always kind of lost one or two people to other departments. Either they're moving out of state, or they just wanted to be on IFD and they didn't want to pass up their opportunity to go to IFD. Um, but retention. Generally, we don't lose a whole lot of people. Um, life is good. You know, we're getting the runs. Mm -hmm. uh, the you know training division is very supportive of of training. We have a very liberal training and travel policy. Okay. Uh, I had a guy two years ago. Hey, go. Hey, chief. He goes. Uh, Jocko's teaching a leadership class in Las Vegas. I'd like to go see it. I said, well, send me the uh, training request form. And I sent him to Vegas to listen to Jocko talk about leadership. <laughs> you know, so, okay. um, you know, is he a firefighter? No, but I think we could all learn something a little bit about leadership from Jocko. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, whether it, regardless if the person is in the fire field or not, you know, um, all these uh, admirals and generals and people like Jocko, when it comes to leadership, we can all take a little bit, bits and pieces here and tie it together to make our, or our, own organization better. Yeah. I mean, leadership's leadership. It doesn't matter if it's in the military, the fire service, law enforcement, or, or you know, you don't really have leaders per se in, in the, the you know, corporate America, but there are some leadership qualities. I, you know, I always say, you know, the difference between a leadership and a manager is the leadership leads people. They care about people. You know, they, they want to see those people uh, they want to see their people succeed, right? Managers just manage numbers, data. They're very detached, you know. Um, and sometimes even in the fire service, you know, they may be a fire officer, but they're not a leader. They're mm -hmm. uh, just a manager. Mm -hmm. So, and then on recruitment, um, you know, we do a pretty good job. Um, we're about to come out with a new uh, recruiting video. We're about to hire again, um, probably in the summer. So, um, but I will say this. You know, back when I was looking to get hired, you know, I think, you know, I the, the process I got hired off of, it was a joint hiring process between Pike Township Fire Department, Wayne Township, Beach Grove, and Decatur Township. So there was probably well over a thousand people that tested. Um, but now I think, I want to say we had about 400 tests for our last process. And we probably only took a hundred to the interviews. Okay. So, okay. you know, it's down everywhere. Even, right. even I have to, you know, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe, you know, people just 
don't look at the fire service the same way. I, I don't I don't have an answer for that. So okay, all right. Uh, kind of segueing into uh, servant leadership. You said that was one one of your one of your topics you'd definitely like to talk about. So, um, to me, servant leadership is just you know Corley Moore. I'm sure you know Corley. Always mm-hmm. gives me because I, I call myself a three-bugled firefighter, right? Okay. I haven't forgot where I came from. Um, I probably spend more time out of my office and out on the training ground or just talking to the firefighters, finding out what their needs and their wants are than I do actually in my office. You know, I believe you got you to gotta get out there and, and so you can continue to keep a pulse on the morale, um, help, you know, maintain the culture, you know, all that good stuff. So, and then, um, you know, big things just leading by example, you know, mm-hmm. I can't sit here and tell guys that, Hey, you need to be a lifelong student of the service. If I'm not willing to be a lifelong student of the fire service, you know, exactly. Um, they will probably hear this podcast by the time, you know, I gave it to them, but to my shift training officers, you know, I, I hit up Frank Lieb and said, Hey, you know, I want to buy X amount of copies of your, your book cornerstone or cornerstone of leadership. And I had them personally sign them for each guy. And, you know, you know, going to be a great book. I haven't got to read it yet, but I, you know, Frank's a awesome leader, very humble, especially for being a deputy fire chief for the FDNY and, um, you know, constantly learning how to better myself. And, you know, I'm not perfect. There's times that it's hard to be a leader, you know. Oh yeah, you know, I can imagine. If, if you're if you're doing it right, it's not easy, you know. And there's some days it wears on you, um, but it's taking care of those of your members, right? You know, uh, leaders eat last. All that all that good stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. You've got to be a servant, you know. And I've always gauged my success, whether in the military in the fire service, not by not by my own personal achievements and accolades, but by by how successful people around me become. And I can say that I've I've helped a lot of people along the way, and I like that. You know that to me, that's that's what a leader does. You know, it's Absolutely. nice. If, you know, you, you know, you could have a perfect crew for twenty years, but you know, you want your people to promote. You want them to better themselves. You know, you want that that good person that you help develop to move up, to help affect more positive change in your organization. So. Absolutely. Okay. Well said. Um, the realistic training on a small budget. I don't know what the budget is for Pike Township, but one thing I, I've already, uh, one thing that I like that I've already heard from you is <clears throat> the fact that you bring in outside influences into your department. Um, I think I think as a fire service, if, if if we only continue to have like our own people hit this sort of training, I think when you bring outside ideas, outside people, it could invigorate the department to to be like, hey, I never thought of this or, yeah, that's a cool tactic. So I see more and more departments are starting to do that, you know, bring in outside influences. Um, how big do you think is that for for a department to grow? A hundred percent. You know, we just actually changed our, um, we just actually purchased new hoses and nozzles for our engines. We've been using automatic fog nozzles, all cart brass automatic fog nozzles for the last 18 years. You know, uh, you go to Aaron Fields or Kevin Fluger's classes, they're not using automatic fog. They're using low pressure, constant gallonage nozzles. You know, now that might be a smooth or it might be a, a fog nozzle, but they're not using automatic fogs anymore, you know, mm-hmm. and it was, it took me looking at what other people are doing, talking to, I'm a truck guy. Uh, I'll say that in the last 18 years as a career firefighter, uh, most of my time has either been on a rescue truck or a ladder truck. So okay. for me, nozzle work was new, like not just what we see on the surface of nozzle work, right. but into, you know, really fine tuning, like, your attack package, right? So like when we are looking for what hoses we wanted to go with these Chief XDs, I mean, I had three or four different brands. I could tell you what the inner diameter was. Um, you know, I did the calculation for the uh, uh, the Freeman, you know, okay. Okay. <laughs> Freeman calculation to make sure that, you know, we were um, getting the volume reach and maneuverability that we needed for those lines. And we did field testing, we did flow testing, 
Um, but it was a lot of help from Elkhart Brass. Got a good friend now that I made because I had, you know, been a part of this project. Steve Makoff, he works for Safe Fleet. Sold fire hose before he, you know, worked for Safe Fleet, Elkhart Brass. Could tell you anything you need to know about hoses. I knew, I learned more about hoses than I ever wanted to learn about hoses from knowing this guy. And, um, you know, I, I would rely on him. Go, you know, is this a good hose? Is this not good a hose? You know. During our conversation, we had a technical glitch in communication. Technology, right? I don't know what happened, Danny. We were talking. You were talking about hoses. Uh, yep. And uh, one question I was going to ask you. Um, uh, so, what was your final outcome on uh, on the type of hose and nozzle package did you put on your apparatus? Um, so we ended up purchasing um key combat sniper. Okay. Um and then we purchased the Elkhart Brass Chief XD. Uh, we, we actually did a I, I did a breakaway option. So you get the inch and three eighths shut off. Um the actual nozzle has uh inch and a half national hose threads. So the guys have the option to either put the seven eight smooth bore on or they can put the one fifty at sixty um fog nozzle on. So um, it's nice. I mean, the automatic fog nozzles that we were running before, you know, I don't know why, however, they came up with this, but the desired fire flow was uh, roughly 180 gallons per minute. And if you're flowing that on a, they were <laughs> low pressure automatic fogs, uh, but you were still getting 80 pounds of nozzle reaction, you know. Right. And at the end of the day, it's funny, is when I presented it to the fire chief after we were done field testing, you know, he's like, well, why would we change? He goes, uh, what we've been using has been working. I said, chief, you have to look at, you know, when I came in the fire service 21 years ago, we were teaching uh, thermal dynamic firefighting or thermal balance firefighting, right? We didn't spray smoke. We waited till we saw fire and that's when we would open the line, right? Or open the nozzle. Now with the efforts to, you know, energy conservation, you know, houses are 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 you know better insulated we got double and triple pane windows um you know almost everything in your house is synthetic now so mm -hmm. more fires that we're going to are vent limited and i told him i said you know if we're going on a vent limited fire and the guys force the door and we have black angry smoke pumping out that door from doorknob level and below they have to be able to have the ability to flow from the threshold of that door to the seat of the fire because if they don't, you know, they're they're walking into the flow path. That's unburnt fuel that they're walking into. And if you're not flowing, you know, and it lights up, it's a bad day for you. So we just have to pop smoke and adjust fire and change our tactics. And with that, we have to change our equipment. And that's ultimately why we changed our uh, attack package. So Nice. Nice. Yep. And, and I learned like way more about nozzles and hoses than I ever wanted to. Like, I was sitting here, you know trying to figure out the Freeman ratio between each of these, you know, different hoses, brand of hoses, you know, like uh snap tight gladiator was like 1.77 and, you know, the key combat sniper was 1.78. And if I went with, you know, key combat ready, it was, it was, um, it's inner diameter was like, I want to say like, oh, uh, it was a little bit bigger, but, um, yeah, so learned way more than I wanted to about hoses and nozzles. But okay, and then we okay. had Mick Williams come in. He did an awesome job to maintain our culture. Um, we spun up a ropes team a few years ago. It went in service this year. So one of the pieces that we had to have for that ropes team was elevator rescue option tech. So I got a hold of Chief Mark Gregory, who runs PL Vulcan. I had some outstanding instructors come in and teach our guys uh, elevator rescue and. Um, it was an awesome training. We just wrapped that up and the guys are like, uh, you know, our members are enjoying me bringing outside perspective. Oh, that's the end of the day. Look, you look, you know, you look at, you know, sports teams like the Patriots, you know, the Patriots are looking at what other, you know, successful mm -hmm. teams are doing. Why wouldn't we do the same in, in the fire service? You know, um, I think when an organization becomes too insulated, it's not good. You got to have a little bit of influence, you know, from outside agencies. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, things can get stagnant in, yep. in, 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 in a hurry if if you're not willing to bring outside people 
to reinvigorate or keep that that love, that passion for the job going. Yep. So okay. Yeah. Um uh let's see here. Communication amongst the rank and file. So with you being the division chief of training and safety, how important is it to you where from top down, down up, that there's communication? And what I mean by that is like, I know there are like certain things chief administration, chief officers can't uh, discuss, you know, involving personnel and situational matters. But as far as communication of what's going on with the department, how big do you think that plays a role? Oh, I think it's it's very big. And you're right. Me personally, other than sharing medical information about another member or something sensitive of that nature, there should be nothing that our members aren't privy to. You know, uh, I'm big on transparency. And I hope, um, you know, anybody that knows me knows that they can come up and ask me a question. You know, um, it was funny last year. I was like uh, I was teaching fire after one. Um, and, uh, I asked the young guys, I said, all right, you know, let's, let's talk about rumors. Cause we had gotten to the whole grapevine or, you know, part of, uh, you know, fire after one. And, and, um, I said, Let, tell me some of the rumors you guys have heard. Mm -hmm. And they, they started naming these rumors and, and I, I said, and I answered them truthfully. And, uh, I said, you know, moving forward, if you hear rumor, come talk to me, you know, I, I will gladly tell you what's going on, you know? Um, I think that's the worst thing is, is, uh, an organization, especially at the admin level that if you don't tell people what's going on, they're going to make up what's going on. Exactly. You know? And now we may have a bigger problem than if you were just truthful with them, you know? So, and on top of that, you know, to me, the fire chief should be the one that sets the culture for the department. You know, the, you should know exactly what the fire chief's vision is. If you don't, we have an issue because you look at everybody under the fire chief. How do we support your vision and the direction you want the department to go if you're not communicating that, you know, and it takes the whole department all the way from the training division to the battalion chief down the company officer level to support that vision. So I, I'm big on communication. Don't always do it the greatest. And, and sometimes you, you, you learn by, you know, doing stuff the wrong way, but um, I try to communicate. I'm an open book. If somebody has a question, they can call me. They can, you know, pop in my office. Um, I do ha truly have an open door policy. Like, come talk to me. You know, uh, I'll gladly talk to you. Uh, now there are certain stuff there. I'll be like, well, did you talk to your officer first about this? Right. Right. Um, you know, like for instance, I have guys all the time. Hey, can I go to this training? Absolutely. But go fill out a training form and have your supervisor sign it. Have your battalion chief sign it. And I will send you, you know, mm -hmm. um, and most of the time it's them wanting to feel, you know, would I approve it? And I very rarely deny training. Like we have a great budget for training. We're very fortunate and blessed at Pike Township. And I, you know, I try to, you know, I'm putting stuff out there all the time. Um, this year for 2024, I purchased two CF 100 passes for County Fire Tactics. Um, I purchased one this last year and we're sending two people to every conference that chief Isaacson's putting on for County fire tactics, you know, because we're trying to get those guys to get that outside perspective and bring it back. So that's fantastic. That's, that's, that's truly awesome. Um, I'm sure there are many other chief officers or, um, I'm sorry, uh, training chief, you know, chiefs in the training division that are doing the same, but anytime you hear, um, uh, a division like yours that's open to doing that, open open for their members to go here outside perspectives, man. That's 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 fantastic because we all know, and I know oh. you're you're a big uh, Orly Moore fan with, with, with the with the uh, the vigilantes and everything, but um, the fact that you allow them to do that just shows that you never forgot your roots because I, you know, I truly believe that there are some officers that despise the message that chief Ike's, you know, trying to put yeah. out there, despise what Corley Moore is doing just because they're uncomfortable or just because it's always the way that they've done it. So they don't yep. know anything else. Yep. I, I mean, I truly believe right now 
you look at, um, you know, when I came in the fire service 21 years ago, if you wanted to, to learn something, you had to either read a book, subscribe to fire engineering or, or firehouse or watch Mike Champo's training minutes. Now between social media, podcasts, books, like information flow of the fire service is, is awesome right now. And I truly believe um, we're breaking past those old training scars, those old um, mentalities. And we're having like what I call great reset in the fire service. Like, you know, um, it's funny. I was having a conversation with one of the chief officers the other day and, you know, he kind of alluded to like, well, so we got guys going to smoke diver. Okay. You have a lot of guys that will never understand why somebody would want to go to smoke diver, but I get it. And, you know, I will, every time a guy wants to go smoke diver, I'll send them, you know, and some people don't understand it, but the stuff they teach in smoke diver, they, they one teach leadership, servant leadership. They teach you how to, try to get in that flow base and, and, you know, you know, they make you learn, you know, the, for me, and at least our guys, we have a pretty good training program. Like they know how to VS, they know how to search, they know how to force doors. But what, for me, what smoke diver teaches our guys is something about themselves. When you feel like you've given a hundred percent, you really haven't. And you mm -hmm. can give more, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. and uh, they come back you know, feeling a little bit more confident, you know, they, they're the, their greatest. I mean, the guys that go through smoke diver, make it through, they do such a good job promoting that program uh, than they ever could trying to advertise just the organization itself. So um, we got four guys going to Indiana smoke diver in March. So, and I'll be down there. Um, um Chief Stewart asked me if I'd be a safety officer for one of the days. So I'm going to go down and do that. And then I'll definitely pop in every day. Just know, Hey guys, I'm, I'm here to support you, you know, keep, keep, keep going. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited for him. So, uh, uh, but awesome. yeah, I mean, there's, it's just crazy right now in the fire service, how much information is out there and, and some of the old mentalities that we're getting rid of right now, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. RIT. Look, I'm, I'm for RIT. Okay. It does have a time and place, but to sit here and tell me I can't go inside that building that may be occupied because I don't have a RIT crew behind me, you know, we've lost something here, you know, uh, the whole two and two out thing, you know, I, I saw a guy wearing a t-shirt and it said, uh, two in fire out, you know, <laughs> when I was down at the first in fire conference, you know, and I love that, you know, um, the, we've learned the whole victim survivability profiling is, it's bullshit. Yeah, it's 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 a way it's a, it's a path or a scapegoat for somebody to not do their job. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, there's not many structures that we go to at Pike where we go. Nobody's in there. There's nobody that could possibly be in there. So in my mind, um, you know, why do we need two and two out? Why do we need RIT on scene to go do our job? And, and clearly, when you look at our standard company functions, we do prioritize it. But we put a little bit down, you know, farther down on that list. You know, first do is, you know, attack and the second do is back up and then it's red. So Absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing, too, I was just talking about this the other day on shift. Rit, get Rit or Rick, whatever terminology you use for your department. It always gets a bad name because, you know, firemen see Rit as, OK, I'm just going to stand, you know, at the entrance of the at the residence and I'm just waiting on something to happen. Rick can be so much more than that. It could be yeah. sizing up the building. It could be um, throwing ladders, looking at different means of egresses to get in and out at uh, looking at what the fire is actually telling you. So, uh, yeah. you know, that, that's, that's that old way of thinking of, Oh, if you get assigned writ, okay, I'm not doing anything, but just standing in the yard. It's a lot more than that. If your department allows you to do that. Yeah. And, and what's funny is um, I will admit it. Pike for the longest time, their their writ team was a passive one. I want to move towards more of an active one, you know. And at the end of the day, look, like I said about knowledge, look at Project Mayday. You know, out of the you know almost thirteen thousand Maydays that were logged, less than eight percent of them were, you know, the 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 Mayday was you know solved by the writ. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's either mm-hmm. self-rescue, uh, you know, someone on their crew, you know, mitigated the emergency or or it was an interior crew. So now we know the data. Why are we saying, well, you can't go inside until somebody's dedicated on the outside, you know? So and that's why I said that it's crazy right now. There's so much information. And it also checks you as a fire instructor, because when you're teaching, you know, you can't bullshit people because Google's only two clicks away and they can fact check you real quick. Absolutely. Yeah. So the days of, you know, do it because I said it and, you know, all that good stuff. It's those are long gone. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, Now, I'm assuming you climbed the ranks in your department to get where you're at. So one question I have for for you. For promotion to company officer, are you in favor for a simulated computer fire scenario or a scenario that involves real people, real companies in real time at a either designated training facility or a house that you have in your in your jurisdiction? Um, for one, it's, I didn't get to climb the ranks at my department. I, I came as a private and okay. because of my experience through my different departments, they promoted me to uh, division chief. Now I will say this with that being said, uh, my time as a chief officer is going to be just in the training division. And one day I'm leaving the training division and I'm going back as a Lieutenant on a, on a, either a truck or an engine. Um, it was, yeah, it was weird when they promoted me. And, and I will say this, the ops chief did me a solid. He goes, write me up a bio so that when the department sees that I promoted a private, yeah, I pointed a private to the training division. They understand why. And it was funny because when he called me, um, he's like, hey, chief, or he goes, hey, James, he goes, uh, you know, we interviewed yesterday. I told everyone that, you know, we'll uh, we'll call you and let you know how you did and whether you had the, the spot. It was, I believe, four of us that interview, interviewed for the, the spot. And he goes, um, he goes, I'm calling to offer you the job. And he goes, I want to commend you of how humble you are. He goes, I never knew you had the breadth of experience and the resume that you had. And he goes, I just thought you were a high speed firefighter and you just, you know, love being a firefighter. You learn quickly. And, you know, but there were little things that I learned over the years was God gave you two ears, two eyes and one mouth for a reason. You know, so I wasn't going to talk about now the guys that were close to me knew what I did in the military. They knew, you know, kind of my my career path up to that point. Um, but moving past that, I'm more of a fan of the latter uh, when it comes to promotion. Uh, At at our department, our promotion process is actually put on by a third party so that we have no, we have no connection to it. So when the results come out, we had no influence on it. Um, they do a simulated, you'll come in, there's usually three people on the board. They'll have, you know, the fire scene on, on the TV and, you know, you got to go through the, the tactical, but I'm a fan of, of making it more realistic, go out there, have victims, all that good stuff. Um, it's just when you got, for instance, look at Annapolis fire department, like um, they may have very well a hundred people going through promotion. So how do you do that? You know, mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. I think what the answer may be, is virtual reality, you know? Um, I don't know if you've messed with any of the Oculus stuff, but you know it's not real, but it seems very real, you know? Okay. And uh, um, even if it's, you know, when we talk about just life in general, like we discover life by sense of touch, smell, seeing. We use our different senses, and that's how we process things. That's how we start cataloging stuff into our brain to as a file to pull from later, you know, so if you could make it, you know, even if you're just, you know, virtual reality, maybe get a smoke smell going, whatever, you know, you can still fool those senses, you know, to, to, you know, make it a little more realistic, you know, Um, and we do that in training all the time. I mean, you look at, you know, when we decide to stress people, you know, that, that stress inoculation, what we're trying to do is we're trying to take them from that cognitive brain, that big brain, the one that we're using right now where we can sit here and, and, you know, think and problem solve, you know, 
it's different when you got adrenaline dumped in your veins and now you're using your lizard brain, your amygdala, your midbrain. Um, and then we do that through stress. You know, that's how we know if, if our skill acquisition is good or it's not. And we have to go back to a low stress environment and brush up on those skills. So um, I, I, I am a big fan of, of making it realistic. You know, I think for our department, we could very well do it. Our promotions aren't that big. I think, the last promotion process, we had 15 people. That's nothing right. to be able to um, to do. Uh, the, I, I do see this as a challenge, though, is uh, your tactical for lieutenants, not the same as a captain, and for captains, not the same as a battalion. You know, like a battalion is going to have probably a strip mall, you know, and, you know, multiple exposures. They're probably going to start a second alarm and worry about staging units. So it's a little more uh, mm -hmm. involved the higher you go. So how do you build that to be realistic? You know, Right. Right. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. Uh, but I think the answer out there is out there is technology. Um, I think virtual reality could very well be the answer that we're looking for, you know? Okay. All right. I like the answer. Um, do you believe in your opinion, should there be a years of service clause for promotion? In other words, should you, uh, if if you're on Pike Township, should you be a firefighter for four years before you can even think about doing anything in the driver's role? Things of that nature. Um, I know at our department we do, and it's it's to me it's a double edged sword. Because what do you do with a guy who came from another department, had ten years at a department? You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. he's probably got the experience to be the driver. Or mm -hmm. go through promotion as a lieutenant. You know, a prime example. Um, but at the same time, um, there is that natural progression. And whether I did it at Pike or other departments, I started in the back step first. And I learned my role as a firefighter. And then eventually I spent some time as a driver and then moved over to the, the, the you know, officer seat. You know, that's that's building that foundation. So it's a slippery slope, I think, or it's a double-edged sword. Um, I do think, I think it just has to be a case-by-case -case basis, right? You know, I would be for counting someone's years of service, not necessarily for longevity and pay, mm -hmm. but if you came from a, a professional department or a paid department, career department, count those years of service because okay. that's one thing that, you know, I don't, I'm not big on a recruit school. Just because somebody's from another department, I'm not going to tell them they don't know what they're doing. You know, right. oh, this is the only way to do it. Well, you might be able to teach me something, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not afraid for, you know, someone to share their experience, you know. Uh, now, I'm not going to stand for, well, this is not how we did it at my last department. Well, you're not at your last department. Right. But at the same right. time, I'm not going to beat up on you because you came from another department, you know, and Makes that sense. you know nothing, you know. <laughs> so Makes I, sense. I think the answer would be years of service or years of service, whether it's from another department or, you know, you started your career with our department. That's when your years of service start. Okay. I like it. Uh, like I said, it's just one of the questions I like to hear different people's <clears throat> thoughts and opinions on. And um, no, I mean, you're right. I mean, there are, there, especially nowadays with, individuals who <clears throat> go from department to department because they're just either trying to find a department that meets their needs or a department here is offering more pay than than their current department you know whatever the reason may be yeah. I, I do like that fact because the individual that let's just say he left a department he was on there he was there for 10 years he's truly not a rookie he's a new rookie to your organization but as far as time being served he does have that 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 skill and uh and that ability so i 100 percent agree yeah. with that okay all right um for uh, your opinion which characteristic holds more weight years of service education work ethic or on the job experience Uh, definitely not a big fan of years of service. Mm -hmm. You know, so many people uh, confuse years of service with experience, right? right? If you spent 25 years in an organization, but you were at the slow house, how much experience are you really getting? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Am I wrong? You know? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's 
it's a mixture between education and on the job. You know, um, you'll see when when fire is blowing out the house, you'll see who's trained and who's not. You know, mm-hmm. um, I got some solid guys that only got three years on. I mean, I got a guy's got three years on. Danny made two grabs this year. Wow. That's that's I, I don't have that, any grabs. Yeah, I'm about to so say that doesn't come experience, right. You know, and, yeah. and one of those, you know, he uh did a uh a VES, you know, we're we're straying away from the whole VES thing. Just because we're going through a window doesn't mean we're gonna isolate a door. But three years on the job, he goes in through the window, he stops, holds his breath, and listens, and he could hear the lady coughing, right? How awesome is that? You know, uh, I know at three years I've been like a bull in a china shop, you know, just trying to get in there and search. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he had trained enough either in his mind or on the training ground. You know, he kind of did that live fire layout call out type deal, you know, right. where he's listening for the victim. and He went straight for. So um, I think once again, it's it's it's, it's a uh, it's based on the individual, you know. Mm-hmm. I know people that maybe not our department, other departments, you got 20 something years on, but you got rookies that are doing better than you are, you know? Right. <laughs> I right. think part of that's humility, being a lifelong student of the fire service, knowing that the fire service is constantly evolving. You have to evolve with it. One of the best fire officers I know, he's a merit captain on uh, ladder 61. He's got 35 years on the job. I think 35 and he'll be retiring in 2025. He's been a long time on the job, but he's always been, big on training um he's a good fire officer and he's evolved with the fire service you know can mm-hmm. you imagine after 35 years if he just stuck to what he originally learned in recruit school and he's mm-hmm. like well that's how we've always done it you right know? right so, right no that, that that that's a big thing you know humility and evolving to learn that things especially you know things worldwide are changing but things in the fire service are definitely changing always changing um so no that that is that that is awesome and if we had more you know i I think that's what these little like what Coralie's doing these these other podcast platforms is we're trying to change that narrative of getting outside your bubble getting these experiences bringing in these outside individuals to better yourself to evolve the department that you work for and yourself uh, you know with tactics and training whatever the case may be so no that is that is awesome that is awesome um let's see here uh, i had one i was gonna ask you um okay yes perfect because this kind of this kind of it's, it's in your realm too when to say when to a recruit or an individual who's not cutting it um, I actually just experienced that. Um, so our our uh, recruit school is about 22 weeks. Take weeks yeah. EMT school. We got a week transition period from EMT to fire, and fire is roughly 12 to 13 weeks, okay. depending on, you know, holidays and all that good stuff. And um, we start out with Firefighter 1. You know, I got a cadre of, of uh, fire instructors detailed to recruit school uh, for the duration of recruiting school um, fire one is basically just all the skills. Right. And then we do um, before they test on fire one, they, they got to do hazmat operations and then they get hazmat ops. And then they can test for firefighter one that we move into firefighter two, which is more, more, more live fire. We do a little bit of live fire and firefighter one, but we're burning a lot. We're doing a lot of multi-company drills. Uh, we're, we're, falling back on you know i tell our guys i'm like if we get through the curriculum for the day quickly and we got like two hours left guess what we're doing we're going back to those those i call them basics i hate calling them basics because it belittles the skills i call them the essentials but we're we're doing forceful entry we're throwing ladders we're forcing, you know we're 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 building that getting those sets of reps to build that muscle memory right mm-hmm. and um we have what we have called competency week and it's 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 seven events, seven now. I just added the seventh one. Um, you know, it's turnout. You know, uh, uh, bunker drills. So you got ninety seconds to don all of your PP, including your SCBA. Um, it's search, ventilation, um, water supply. They got to stretch a line, 
Um, did I, what did I miss? Um, you got to do the confidence maze with the SCBA confidence maze. You got one bottle to get through that. And then um, I just added masking up with your gloves on. Okay. That's the newest standard. And uh, I know it's one of those things, like I can't get the old guys to do it. But if I start start with the young recruits, mm-hmm. um, now it starts becoming the norm. Uh, right. right. And once you've made it through competency week, you've passed. Um, you're, you're pretty much there. Short of you not passing Firefighter 2 the last week before graduation, you're done. If you've made it that point, you're, you're good. Mm-hmm. And last year, I had an individual. Um, he passed competency. And he was young. He was 21. Good kid. I mean, he was a good dude. And um, something happened on the training ground, and I had to let him go. Um the fire chief's like, well, he's past competency. He's about to take fire two. Why are you letting him go? And I said, the mistake he made was so basic that I can't in good conscience put him out on the street. You know, um, when we work in a job where our job is to manage risk to its lowest level, you know, we got the we got the low risk, high frequency. We got high risk, you know, low frequency, all that, you know, um, setting up a water supply is pretty high frequency, low risk. And he almost hurt a firefighter. And uh, I had to go, no, I mean, he passed competency, but he's still not ready. And I, now I will say this, if I had six more weeks, I would have kept him because I think he's good, good kid, never had any issues with him. Um, he just wasn't getting it. You know, you got 12, 13 weeks to acquire the very basic skills of the, as a firefighter. And um, he just wasn't ready. And um, I still let him come and take his fire two tests. So at least he walked away with his certifications. And he's working at the airport today. You know, he works for the airport fire department. And um, uh, I did it because I cared about him. You know, it's mm-hmm. not that, you know, you're subpar. I don't want you. It's uh, I don't want I, – I ran out of time with you. And I'm one of those people. I look for the good in everybody. And I will, you know, hold on that, grab it, foster it, you know. If I would have had six more weeks, I would have kept them. And it's funny because I came from the airport fire department. So I'm out shopping with my son. We're about to go on vacation. And I get a phone call from a battalion chief up there. And he goes, hey, you know, what's the deal with this kid? And I was 100%, 100% honest with what was going on. You know, why why we let him go. And I said, if I had more time, I said, Travers, if I had more time, I would have kept him. But I couldn't. We're graduating you know, that following week, you know, I, I've ran out of time with them. And for right. the safety of him and our guys, you know, it was, you know, I got to let you go. And I told him, I said, you can apply again and I will gladly, you know, do this whole process with you over again. And he ended up getting hired. Um, I just said, he's, he needs a mentor is what he needs. You know, he needs somebody he's young. He doesn't have a whole lot of life experience. You know, it just is what it is. 21, <laughs> I'd already done two deployments, just gotten out of the military, you know, like, you know, I had a little bit more life experience than some of these other 21 year olds, you know, we, we, we got recruits now. They're like, like, who's van's that? And he's like, Oh, it's my mom's still living at home. You know, Um, in in their, in their young twenties, heck I was out on my own at 18 being in the military. So it just, it is what it is. I, I don't like doing it. I'm not one of these guys that's like, they got to be 30 year guys when they graduate recruit school. No, they're basic firefighters. I get it. Um, but there was a time when in good conscience, I can't keep somebody just keep somebody. And that's, so. that that's big because, you know, especially with departments that are hurting with recruitment or getting applicants, you know, yeah. I, I'm not going to say that. I mean, you know, there, there's a, there's a chance out there that a organization or a training chief would let that slide. And, you know, passed them on through, not saying it's it's right, wrong, or indifferent, but the fact that you saw what you saw and you went to your fire chief and your fire chief was like, you know, you have kind of like the final say-so on it, man. I mean, that's that's kudos to you for, for that because, yeah. you know, there are, I, I truly believe there are, unfortunately, some people who try the fire service and it's not for, it's them. Not for them, but they remain to this day they're sitting in the back of the truck or they're up front, right? You know what I mean? Like they are on an apparatus where unfortunately it's just not cut out for them. Yeah. But yep. with, with our shortcomings and downfalls of, of having personnel, you know, 
we skate by until something happens. Yep. yep. And now you're putting the public's lives at risk. You're putting the, the lives of the department members at risk and that individual, you know, um, and that's that moral courage that a lot of people are afraid to do, you know, um, they'll just inherit a 30 year problem. And what does that do for the organization? What does that do for the people are paying, you know, paying taxes? Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And I still stay in contact with this guy today. He's got my number. So you can call me anytime if you have questions or need advice, you know, for me, it wasn't, Hey, you just suck, you know, get out. You know, I, it tore me up, you know, mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. officers that I care about and respect, um, you know, there's a couple of them come up, Hey, how you doing chief? You know, cause they could tell I'm that type of person. Like this wasn't easy and they know it wasn't easy cause they give a shit, you know, and they mm-hmm. had to do it at one point, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. All right. Um, before we wrap up, is there, is there anything you want to say to, you know, any, anybody listening out there? Like I said, I know you, you, you ask fantastic questions on, on the scrap. So, you know, this is your time to if, if if you wanted to get you know send a message out there to anyone listening anybody struggling i mean this is this is this is you know the, the time to do it the floor's yours do it the floor's yours well first i'd have to you know say it's okay to love the job it is it's all right to be called a fire nerd wear that as a, a badge of honor right if guys make fun of you they just don't get it you know they're fortunate enough to be in an awesome career and they don't appreciate it so don't don't let other people tear you down. Keep doing what you're doing and and love the job. And we we do it. We have the best job in the world. You know, um, don't be afraid to to experience change. Right. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, my old boss. He went through the captain's process. I had to call him almost every other day. And go, dude, go through the captain's process. You know. Um, like Karen feels that uh, uh, comfortability enemy of growth, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, you can't be a guy that sits here and complains about the organization, yet you're not willing to get outside your comfort zone and promote and and have that ability to affect more positive change. So um, don't let other people influence your career. It's your career, you know. Don't be afraid that, you know, people aren't going to like you because you decide to get promoted. You know, that's that's their problem. You know, and, and honestly, those people that give you a hard time because you got promoted, they're probably they would like to get promoted, but they don't have the courage to put themselves out to be judged. Right. When you go through an, a promotion process, you're you're either going to do well or you're not going to do well. You know, but it takes that a little bit of courage to go, man, I'm going to go try this, you know, and, and hopefully I do a good job. Um, don't be if don't like I said. Love the job. It's a great job. Don't let other people influence your career. Um, and don't stop training, you know, train every day. Because um, at the end of the day, when it's two o'clock in the morning, there's fire blowing out every window, every door, and we have searchable space. We owe it to our people to get in there and search and be good at what we do. You know, if you're on engine, shouldn't be a, a, a week goes by that you don't at least stretch once, you know. Uh, you should train every day because uh, from as a truck guy, understand that, hey, we're here for life safety, you know, trucks jobs to, you know, search. But the truck needs that first due engine to be Johnny on the spot to, to stretch to and to provide searchable space for the truck. You, you're, you know, you read John Norman's fire uh, handbook strategy and tactics, you know, first due engine, their job is the first line is to port search, right? put water between the fire and the victims. So take it seriously. Like if you're in an organization where guys don't want to get out of that recliner, go, go out and get out of the recliner. Um, hopefully eventually you, you influence those guys to come out and start training with you because we owe it to our people. We owe it to our people to show up ready to go to work you know, and have the best day of our career when they're having their worst, you know? So um, just get involved um, one of the best things that you can do is most rewarding is be an instructor. You know, uh, not many people know this yet, but uh, they're about to combine 1021 and I don't remember the NFPA for a fire instructor, but they're about to combine those two NFPAs because being a leader, you can't be a good instructor without being a good leader. And you can't be a good leader without being a good instructor. 
right? So there now those that'll be one NFP. I think it's going to be like 1010 or 1020. I can't remember what it is, but um, you know, that's step one is just teach. It'll make you better. You know, they always say um, the day I started teaching, you know, I became a better firefighter, you know, so be excited about the job. Don't let other people tear you down. You know, there are the unfortunate ones that don't realize how great they have it. So, and it's a great ride. Enjoy it. Cause it goes quick. You know, um, I still got plenty of time, you know, I'm 37. I'll probably retire at 61. I think that's the date, you know, but I might get to 61 and go, man, I'm not ready to retire, you know, but it does go quick, you know, so enjoy it, you know, enjoy every scene. I'm not going to say being the back stepper is the best job on, on the department. I'm not going to say being the fire officer is the best job. I'm not going to say the spot I'm at is the best spot. Just enjoy, enjoy the career because it goes by quick. So. Man, that's uh, awesome. Awesome. I like it. I like it really do. I'm sure there's someone out there that needed to hear that. So James, I really appreciate you coming on. I reached out to you and, you know, we, we made this happen. So thank you for spending some, some time out of your day to do this, man. I, I truly appreciate it. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm very humbled. You know, I, I don't understand why somebody wants to listen to what I have to say, but uh, I was very honored to come on the podcast and, and just talk about how great the job is. So. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yep. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.